Medved Show on pop culture and politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. A great day when uh, it's fair to say the people of America are going to send a message tomorrow. Tomorrow's election day. It is the midterm elections. Actually, there are literally tens of millions of voters who already voted, already attempted to send a message. What is that message going to be? We'll talk about that with somebody who's made a great livelihood and an international reputation for listening to America and listening to Americans. His name is Brian Kilmeade. Uh, you know him from Fox News. Uh, he's been at Fox News basically since the earth cooled. He broadcasts six hours every day, five days a week. That counts his uh, excellent radio show, which I've been privileged to be part of, and uh, and the Fox and Friends, of course. He's also the author of best-selling books about American history, most recently The President and The Freedom Fighter, Abraham Lincoln, Frederick Douglass, and their battle to save America's soul. So, uh, Brian, first of all, uh, everybody's talking about the numbers game and the prognostication game. Do you share the consensus that the Republicans are likely to take over the House and uh, as likely as not to also take over the Senate by a narrow margin? Well, I mean, here's the thing. Uh, up until about an hour ago, I didn't know anybody substantially who thought who were in cheerleading like the president uh, that they were going they were going to hold they were not going to Republicans were gonna, weren't going to win the House. And then I see Steve Kornacki said I see a definite path that Democrats keep that. I don't see it. I mean, I I, I think they're going to have a hard enough time holding uh, keeping the red seats that they the blue seats that they have in red states. Now they can't even keep the uh, this the uh the districts that they have in the blue states so in new york and california especially because people see how hideously run both both states are and uh you're not thinking that uh gavin newsom is going to lose for governor do you no i'm just talking about some of the other people below people running from congressional seats in california people running for congressional seats in new york so uh, i think there there's going to be a lot of progress uh, for Republicans in that area, and I, I would not be surprised if Zeldin ends up pulling out a win over Hochul. I don't think she has any constituency. No one really knows her. And in Buffalo, I even think she's going to lose Buffalo to Zeldin. So in the city, they just are so used to voting for, for a Democrat. So all, re, all Zeldin has to do is get uh, over 30 percent, and he's in the game. Imagine if he gets closer to 40. I think he wins. Yeah, and which would be sending very powerful message. Chuck Schumer's on the ballot too, and again, most people don't even know that because it's just assumed that he's an automatic victor. You don't think he has to worry about an upset, do you? Nobody does. I uh, know there's no doubt about it. Sorry about my dogs in the background, but yeah, no one, no one thinks well, they're, they're howling at the mere mention of Chuck Schumer's name. Right, it's unbelievable. Uh, so yeah, that's not going to be it. But there, there's a lot. There's a lot of vulnerable seats in this area. There, picture this for people uh, who don't know New York, and that's fine. It's not the city, uh, not only the city. Uh, picture uh, upstate New York like a like Iowa, 
and it's true. It's wide open. It's rural. You know, like you wouldn't believe until you went there. And then you got Staten Island, which is solid red, and Long Island, which is leaning red. So it really comes down to New York City, the dense population there, and nobody is happy. Nobody could actually say that crime is not playing a role. That woman that tragically was raped on Thursday was one of the most beautiful areas of New York City. She's running at 530 in the morning like most nine-to-fivers will do in a totally safe, normally safe area. And a guy that's been arrested 12 past times rapes her uh, and almost kills her. And if for those people who say that crime doesn't matter, outside Kathy Hochul, you, that means you're not in the city. She actually does, is not even responding to, to the top issues of the day, the overwhelming number of illegal immigrants that are being busted in the tenth city that's costing hundreds of thousands of dollars to construct and maintain, so, which, which is housing all illegal immigrants. The hotels, five, uh, four-star hotels that are housing illegal immigrants. So all this, this is where all your money's going, and people are just driven mad by it. So what's, um, if assuming that Republicans do well and that they win maybe even crucial governorships like the governorship of New York, uh, if, if there is that message, what does that message mean? What are the American people saying? It means that it, it, we used to have a debate, Michael, about... Okay, crime's a problem. Democrats want to do this. Republicans want to do this. The border's a problem. Democrats want to do this. Republicans want to do this. And then even Obamacare. Nobody said health care is on the straight now perfect. Obamacare comes in. Well, yeah, health care's got to be addressed. But Republicans say, not like that. And Democrats say, for the most part, I'll rather take that. Okay, those are the good old days. Now we have a Democratic Party that does not even acknowledge, does not even acknowledge that there's a crime problem still continues to talk that Roe v. Wade is the only thing on our minds, that January 6th is the only thing that matters. It's, it's crazy. And the thing is, it is like 7th and 9th on almost every survey now that says, what am I voting on? Number one issue, overwhelmingly, is the economy. Only 19%, according to ABC, only 19% say they're happy with the economy is right now. The number one issue is the economy. How could you, if you're a Democrat, feel confident about today? We all can't drill down in all these districts in these states. That's for a handful of people. Best of luck. I'm not into that. They're going to redistrict anyway by the time you memorize it. But for the most part, just look generally what's going on. Nobody wants government to solve their problems, but they don't want them to cause the problem. And Joe Biden told us over the weekend that he stopped drilling. He told us over the weekend that coal is going to be, is going to be extinct. What did, he, what did he tell us previous weeks? that the gas and oil companies are greedy and, and hoarding profits. Saudi Arabia is to blame because they cut production, and Vladimir Putin's price hike. So we blatantly lied to us for the last three months, or let's say 18. And to me, I think the American people have higher standards than that. Okay, let's say the very likely outcome occurs on the House of Representatives, and that uh, by Wednesday morning, it's pretty clear that Nancy Pelosi is gone as Speaker of the House, that the new Speaker will be Kevin McCarthy. When Kevin calls you on the phone and says, Brian Kilmeade, uh, tell me, what should my number one priority be as the new Speaker of the House? The answer from Brian would be? Well, number one, it's hard to set the agenda if you just have the House. Uh, what you can do is start examining where the 87,000 IRS agents are going and how to stop it. Stop looking at the, look at the Inflation Reduction Act. Look at that student loan uh, forgiveness program, which basically we pay for some other people that can't. 
and uh, start looking into uh, some of the what the FBI is up to. But don't make it solidly about investigations. Put those programs out there. Look to combine with people that want a future after Joe Biden, which is just about every Democrat. If you saw the comments by Joe Manchin, if you see uh, yesterday, uh, which just basically say nobody trusts Joe Biden, which is one of the worst things you could say two days before an election about any politician, let alone someone in your own party, and then you, you see that other Democrats maybe are a little bit tired of covering for him. And maybe they're going to jump in, and maybe there's some things you could combine with. But if the Republicans are able to get the Senate, the way it breaks down, they have a shot at over 60 in two years. That's how many. They only have defending 10 seats, and the Democrats are defending something like 35 or 25. So they have a shot at 60. So if they could queue up, set a positive message, put the prototypes out there, and see what they could do leverage-wise to get the White House to do something. Because if they actually get the Senate... You don't get a confirmation until we get that wall built. You, know, you don't get a confirmation until you cut those uh, IRS agents out. You don't get a confirmation until you start uh, streamlining the permitting process and allowing drilling in, in federal land. I, I mean, to me, that's um, br- the top ten Brian, priorities. That's Brian Kilmeade on Republican priorities in the case of victory. And speaking of making the case for victory... Coming up, we're going to be speaking to Mike Pence. The former vice president is out campaigning for his fellow Republicans. And uh, what does he say in response to the Democratic claims that democracy is on the ballot? We'll be talking with Mike Pence coming right up on The Medved Show. There's a bio up here on the screen, and it says Mike Pence is an American politician, broadcaster, and lawyer. And a broadcaster because before he came to the Congress of the United States, where he became one of the leaders of a uh, meaningful, successful Republican Congress, uh, Mike Pence was had a regular radio show and uh, was known in, back in Indiana as... Um, Rush Limbaugh on decaf, uh, and he he was also the 48th president of vice president of the United States. He's now out campaigning. He's been campaigning for Republicans around the country. He's home in Indiana for the time being, but uh, I'm glad to see you campaigning for Tiffany Smiley out here in our state, the state of Washington, because uh, that could be a very meaningful election victory, right, for the kind of Republican Party we all want to see? Indeed, and and maybe more than than almost any other race in the country. Tiffany Smiley, her, her incredible personal story, her courageous husband, his historic uh, service to the country. Boy, I, I am uh, I'm going to hope and pray the people of Washington state uh, send Tiffany Smiley to a new Republican majority in the Senate. But Michael Medved, what a joy to be back with you. We've, we've been on the road. We're back in Indiana getting ready to cast our own votes here in the Hoosier State. But uh, uh, thanks for all you've done for the cause. We're in for a great day tomorrow. Okay, I look forward to it. Let me ask you this. 
Right now, last minute campaigning, uh, the three presidents, Clinton and Obama and Biden, have all been saying the same thing again and again and again. Democracy is on the ballot. Uh, if democracy is on the ballot, uh, how do you vote yes on democracy by voting Republican? <laughs> well... Uh, only you could frame that with such particularity. Look, democracy is not so much on the ballot. Democracy is the ballot. And if people want to get this country turned around, if they want to turn back uh, the failed policies of the Biden-Harris administration, the policies of Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer that have weakened America at home and abroad, two words, vote Republican. Uh, and we'll start our way back to a stronger more prosperous America. I, 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 you know, I know they've talked about that issue. They've talked about social issues, but I got to tell you, in the in the literally dozens of stops that I've made in the last month alone around the country, Michael, it really is all about the issues that are bearing, uh, you know, hardest on working families. That is, cost of groceries, cost of gasoline, uh, the cost of uh, of having an open border. Uh, and also the impact of crime in our major cities. And, and that's why I think you're going to see people like Tiffany Smiley. I, I think you're going to see a new Republican majority in the House of Representatives. And I think you're going to see a Republican governor in places in places like uh, like Oregon and uh, and uh, across the country. We're going to reelect great Republicans. And maybe in New York State. I'm, I am so high on Lee Zeldin. I have to tell you, I've done two events for Lee Zeldin, and he is a remarkable guy. Um, uh, he and his wife and two girls will be a great first family in New York. And I think by focusing on real solutions to bring uh, law and order back to the streets of New York City and to the state of New York and to turn around the Democrat policies that have have seen New York literally losing more. I think they're number one in lost population of any state in the country. Lee Zeldin can turn it around, and I think that's the reason why, literally, if you look at the polls, uh, it's a photo finish right now, but I think we're going to see Lee Zeldin as the next governor of the great state of New York. Wouldn't that be something exciting? Okay, assuming that there's a Republican majority in the Senate, a Republican majority in the House, You've been in the House. You played a very distinguished role when you were a member of the House of Representatives. What would you say to Kevin McCarthy and um, and, and to uh, uh, Mitch McConnell? What should be the top agenda items for the new Republican majorities? Well, I think I think first and foremost is security. I mean, a lot of people don't know that at a time when Russia's engaged in an unconscionable war of aggression in Ukraine. China continues to menace Taiwan. We're flatlining and reducing military spending. And to no less extent, uh, we have a crisis at our southern border like uh, like we've never seen in our history. Two million people in the last year, Michael, where our administration, we made, we made the largest increase in defense spending since the days of Ronald Reagan, and we reduced illegal immigration by 90%. I think I think new Republican majorities put security first, uh, strengthen our military for for whatever the challenges are in the world. Let's secure our border, and then for heaven's sakes, number two, let's let's stop the gusher of runaway spending 
that has ignited the inflation that has been hurting American families. And then number three, end the war on energy. I mean, this we're living through a man-made energy crisis today. Gasoline prices were 238 a gallon of the day that we left the White House. We can turn it around, but it's it's only if we unleash American energy. So I say those are your first three priorities. Uh, and I do believe that it's going to be important for Republicans to show up. And whether whether Joe Biden signs them or not, they ought to be producing legislation, piloting on his desk, and, and laying a foundation for uh, after we win back the Congress, win back state houses, let's lay a foundation to win back America in 2024. You have a brand new book. It's called So Help Me God. It's uh, officially released November 15th, so a week That's from right. now. And... Uh, I, with, with that new book, uh, right now there's a temptation, I think, for a lot of people to leap to the next campaign right right away. Uh, right. Do you think it's a good idea to wait for a little while at least before we start debating uh, about who leads our party for the presidential election coming up? I'm a real believer that... Uh Anyone this year that hasn't had their eye on the midterm elections uh, doesn't have their eye on the ball. You don't look past the playoffs, Michael. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) the the fact is, look, we've got to win the Congress. Uh, We've got to elect Republican governors in state houses across the country. When you look at what the Trump-Pence administration accomplished, which I recount in my book, I I recount the record of our administration, the, the challenges we faced, the unprecedented opposition, uh, by the left-wing media and Democrats in Congress. I, I write about some of the challenging times toward the end, but I must tell you, I'm incredibly proud of the record of the Trump-Pence administration. And, and the, But the predicate for all of that was that we had majorities in the House and Senate. We had some 30 Republican governors. That's how we revived the economy and secured our border and became energy independent in such a short period of time. So for me, for our team, we've we've just been completely focused on the midterms. We'll we'll count the votes tomorrow. I think we're in for a great day for America. And and after that, we'll turn our attention to uh, uh, decisions that we'll make and that others will make about the future leadership of the Republican Party. And in that context, so help me God, the new book by Mike Pence coming out is already an Amazon bestseller November 15th. Godspeed to you, Mr. Vice President. We'll be right back. Michael Medved show. Uh, I got to tell you, it's a personal pleasure to uh, be speaking to Vice President Mike Pence on the air. Uh, I've known him for a long time, and uh, I have only had uh, the the most intense respect for uh, Vice President Pence, and uh, partially because he has a book called "So Help Me God." I. I honestly believe that he is one of those people who took his position as vice president incredibly seriously and during a very, very difficult 
time period and not just on January 6th, but leading up to January 6th and all of the difficulties that he had. Can you imagine what it means to actually be hearing a crowd which is just a few feet away from you chanting, hang Mike Pence, hang Mike Pence? And uh, in in any event, it is a, a wonderful thing to see him uh, out there on the campaign trail uh, campaigning for some of those Republicans who can revitalize the party. And when I say revitalize the party, it, it the, the issue with the Republican Party is not one individual. It's not uh, do you accept or support uh, Donald J. Trump as he campaigns for a third campaign for the presidency, which again, it's rumored he's going to announce tonight together with J.D. Vance while he's campaigning in Ohio. The, uh, the, the point about it is that the Republican Party has to, it seems to me, uh, to have not just a, um, uh, a basic position that we don't like what the Biden administration is doing, and we don't. And I thought it was interesting when we were talking with uh, uh, Brian Kilmeade uh, just moments ago, and he made the case one of the things that uh, certainly the uh, new Congress, particularly if they win the Senate as well, could do is to try to take the initiative in terms of blocking that loan forgiveness program that's supposed to cost you and me, the federal taxpayers, $426 billion. That's with a B. $426 billion. And uh, other than than just going back and saying, well, the Biden administration has made a mess of things, they have. And you've got to say that on the campaign trail. But I do think it'll be a very good thing with uh, people unifying as Republicans for the, uh, uh, the, the kind of uh, change that is necessary. I also want to say that uh, when I asked him my first question for Mike Pence, I said, how do you answer the, the point that all the Democrats on the campaign trail, including the three presidents, Biden, Clinton, and, uh, and Obama, that they've all been making on the campaign trail, which is that democracy is on the ballot, democracy is on the ballot. What he said right away was, hey, <laughs> democracy is the ballot. And uh, that, it seems to me, is, uh, it is a very important thing. And uh, we were also concerning all of the rumors about, is President Trump going to announce? When does he announce? Mike Pence uh, uh, used an analogy that I think most people out there who are baseball fans can understand. He said, don't take your eyes off the playoffs. Uh, you don't get into the World Series yet. And uh, that, it seems to me, was also very much worthwhile. We do look forward to having Vice President Pence back on the show when, whenever he can do it. Maybe even to talk about what victory means if uh, there is a victory to celebrate tomorrow. 1-800-955-1776 is our phone number. Uh, President Biden is on the campaign trail, and and again, 
uh, you, you have to feel sorry for the president. I'm sorry. It's, it, there's no other possible reaction. By the way, if there's someone who has been inspired by uh, some of Joe Biden's campaigning, I'm not talking about Barack Obama. Barack Obama is a singular political talent. And you listen to his speeches. The guy is is good at what he does. He is. Uh, that doesn't mean being president necessarily, but it means campaigning for president. And uh, Joe Biden, well, okay, listen to this. This is a clip 11. It's just, it's just so unbelievably foolish. Uh, the president uh, said this, provoking a very angry response from Senator Joe Manchin, who, of course, is crucial for President Biden's future, if any. Uh, here is uh, President Biden on the campaign trail. Listen. I was in Massachusetts about a month ago on the site of the largest oil coal plant in America. Guess what? It costs them too much money. They can't count. No one's building new coal plants because they can't rely on it. We're going to be shutting these plants down all across America and having wind and solar. We're also providing tax credits to help families buy energy efficient appliances whether it's your refrigerator or your coffee maker. We're going to put solar panels on your homes, weatherize your home, things that save an average, experts save a minimum of $500 a year for the average family. Um, okay, really? The, the comments were characterized by a leader in President Biden's own family as a Joe Manchin, the senator from West Virginia, uh, called Biden's comments outrageous, offensive, and disgusting, and said that uh, Biden's remarks ignore the severe economic pain the American people are feeling because of rising energy costs. And uh, look, th there's also the question of the coal industry, which is a very significant industry in the state of West Virginia. And uh, <laughs> There, there's so much uh, that, that Biden puts forward. For instance, CNN was fact-checking uh, some of uh, the claims that the president had made. CNN on the campaign trail. For instance, they said this about his lies, you'll pardon me, about gas prices. This is 4A. Starting with what he said about gas prices. Today, the most common price of gas in America is $3.39 down from over $5 when I took office. How's it stack up? The last part of that claim is just not true. The most common price of gas when President Biden took office in early 2021 was 239, not even close to $5. So he made it sound like gas has fallen significantly during his presidency, even though it has actually increased. Now I'll add here, this one might have been an inadvertent gaffe because he has said correctly in other speeches uh, that the price of gas was over $5 this summer in June, not when he took office. Nonetheless, the price of gas we know was maybe the most important price in this midterm campaign and he was just wrong in a live televised speech. Okay, uh, that's a problem. There were other problems with President Biden talking to people on the campaign trail about federal uh, debt lies, about Social Security payments. And uh, there was also a, uh, a, a, in the Washington Post, and again, this is not the Wall Street Journal, it's not Fox News, it's the Washington Post, it's CNN. The Washington Post, they uh, called him out on what uh, they considered his bottomless 
Pinocchio. Okay, a bottomless Pinocchio sounds kind of scary because it kind of, I mean, he does wear those pants, right? So he has some kind of bottom. Uh, but <laughs> really, uh, uh, what, what would a bottomless Pinocchio be? Uh, we will get to that also to something that sounds like it's a lie. It sounds like it's made up. But there are now a record number of Americans who are crossing the southern border. Not to live in the United States, but to live in Mexico. Why? We will cover that as well. Coming up on the Medved Show, 1-800-955-1776. Medved. He's a very smart man. Michael Medved. Here you go again. And you remember that in the campaign, his winning campaign uh, in 2020, where again, President Biden, uh, because uh, campaigns for any sitting president are always a, a referendum, if you will, on that sitting president. And uh, Biden was able to win that election by some 7 million votes, despite the fact that, uh, as President Trump has pointed out many, many times, he spent an awful lot of time in the basement of his home in, in Wilmington, Delaware, right? Remember that? And there was a great deal of teasing and negativity about President Biden coming out and campaigning, and Joe, Joe, wherever you are, come out, come out, wherever you are. And he didn't. He did most of the campaign by Zoom. And uh, he showed up for debates, the two debates they had. They had a third debate that was canceled. Remember that? Because uh, President Trump didn't want to do it by Zoom. And uh, it was interfering with he would. President Trump had his bout with covid, which you may remember. Anyway, with all of that, President Biden has been out on the campaign trail this time. And uh, now you can see one of the reasons that. Uh, he decided back in 2020 <laughs> to stay in the basement. Campaign trail hasn't worked out well for President Biden. It just hasn't. It's not going well for Democrats. It only goes well when Barack Obama gets up there and all of a sudden people think, oh, yeah, that guy. Remember him. But uh, the Washington Post uh, here is a, this is a piece, actually. It's a summary from the... Uh, a New York Post, Washington Post crowned President Biden Monday with its coveted uh, Trump-era bottomless Pinocchio rating after he told multiple untruths and committed several gaffes ahead of Tuesday's midterm elections. It's the first time the newspaper has awarded Biden the not-so-coveted rating, which it defines as a statement repeated at least 20 times that is so false that as it has received either three Pinocchios or four Pinocchios on prior occasions. The statement in question is Biden's oft-repeated claims that he has spent more time with Chinese President Xi Jinping than any other head of state. He said, I traveled 17,000 miles with him. The statement has been proven false with the White House in February 2021 telling the newspaper it was a reference to the total travel back and forth. 
both internally in the U.S. and China, and as well as internationally, for meetings that we held together. But even that term, uh, that claim, proved to be inaccurate. Quote, uh, Glenn Kessler, who writes for The Washington Post, he's their chief fact-checker, said there is no evidence Biden traveled that much with Xi, the president of China. And even if we added up the miles Biden flew to see Xi, it still did not total 17,000 miles. Okay, this is crazy because it's so silly. In other words, once they've corrected you for making this statement, to repeat it again and again is is both arrogant but but bottomlessly foolish. And then there is a Biden speaking about Social Security. And again, this this matters to everybody. This is the way CNN, which again is not anti-Biden, if anything, it's pro-Biden as a network. But uh, talking about uh, the president's fact-checking concerning Social Security payments. Listen, this is 4B. Okay, and then let's hear okay what the president said about an increase to Social Security. For the first time in 10 years, seniors are going to get the biggest increase in their Social Security checks they've gotten. So was the president right in that claim? This one is super misleading political spin that the president keeps doing. So yes, it is true that the increase in Social Security payments for 2023 will be unusually big. What Biden doesn't say is that that increase is strictly because inflation has been unusually big. A decades-old law requires that the increase in Social Security payments match the increase in the inflation rate by a certain measure. So it's an 8.7% increase in Social Security payments. That is only because, not because anything Biden has done, but because the inflation rate by that measure is also 8.7%. And then uh, federal debt. I mean, I think we all know that, especially with the out-of-control spending, we haven't been doing great about federal debt. But what about the fact check on that? Listen. All right, so the president also talked about the deficit in a recent appearance, and this is what he said. The Democrats in Congress now, without any Republican vote, reduced the deficit by one trillion four hundred billion dollars one year more than any time in american history we cut the federal debt in half the fact all right so daniel is that fact there are two problems here. Number one, it is just false that President Biden and Democrats have cut the federal debt in half. In fact, the, the debt has continued rising under President Biden. It hit a record $31 trillion in early October. What has been cut in half is the federal budget deficit. That's something different. That's the difference between federal spending and revenues. And even then, it's highly questionable at best, some might say misleading, for President Biden to take credit there because the vast majority of the reason that the deficit has fallen is because temporary pandemic spending from 2020 simply expired as planned. So it wasn't Biden's own actions. And in fact, many analysts we've spoken to say that Biden's actions have worsened the deficit picture, not improved it. Uh, is there any question, really, that uh, the spending under Joe Biden and the Democratic Congress, which is uh, soon to reach its expiration date, uh, that Democratic Congress and Joe Biden increased the federal debt? And yes, elections do have consequences. And that, by the way, is a theme uh, of uh, a, uh, a new piece 
that just appeared in Atlantic Magazine by David Frum. Uh, David is the author of 10 books. He was also a speechwriter for President uh, George W. Bush. He has written a great many books about the conservative movement and the Republican Party, about the failings of the 1970s. That was his first book, was about the Carter administration and its failures. Is the uh, Biden administration beginning to resemble the Carter administration? We'll be uh, speaking with David uh, from about that. But meanwhile, this is one of those things, and it sounds like a spoof, but it's not. Uh, it's also from the New York Post. It, it says a record number of Americans are crossing the southern border to live in Mexico, according to a new report. Excuse me? More than 8,000 U.S. citizens were issued temporary resident visas to live in Mexico in the first nine months of the year. That's an 85% increase over the same period in 2019, uh, Mexico's interior minister said. Uh, that's the highest reverse migration figure since statistics were first compiled in 2010. Mexico City is the chosen destination for many of the U.S. citizens heading south with uh, 1,619, or 19%, choosing the capital city over popular Mexican hotspots such as Puerto Vallarta and Cancun. And not all the transplants are temporary. The number of U.S. citizens granted permanent residency in Mexico is up 48% over 2019. Okay, a foreigner seeking to establish roots in Mexico are required to meet several criteria, including income requirements, having an employer, sponsor, and family ties. Mexico typically allows uh, temporary foreign visitors to stay up to six months. Uh, Mexican officials don't seem worried about the growing number of gringos moving south with the city entering into a partnership with Airbnb to encourage the situation. Uh, Mexico City Mayor, whose name is Claudia Scheinbaum, in announcing a deal with Airbnb, said the ongoing influx of foreigners, primarily remote digital workers, will benefit parts of the city that are typically off the beaten path for visitors. Uh, I mean, this again is astonishing and uh, uh, why would it be that some of the people who are coming here to the United States and sometimes crossing into the United States without authorization without legal basis illegally uh, why would people from Central America or even as this increasingly says from Venezuela be going through Mexico without stopping to join the Americans who are moving south of the border. Who knows about that? But uh, it, it is a, an astonishing moment where maybe, just maybe, the election that will be held tomorrow and the results of the election, which God willing will be celebrated on Wednesday and Thursday, that those will have a, a new burst of energy and confidence and initiative for this greatest nation on God's green earth.